Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm so glad you joined us today because it's Easter. That deserves a round of applause. That's applause for Easter, yes. Which means it's allergy season. It's a time of the year that many of you walk around well, looking terrible, isn't it? Watery eyes, scratchy throats, runny noses, and no matter how much you try to convince everybody else it's just allergies, we don't want to be near you because you're sneezing and nasty, and we're just saying, look, step back a little bit, and today, today I want to help every single one of you out with these allergies, so never say you've never learned anything helpful at church, okay? Okay. So I grew up with allergies, not anything life-threatening, but pretty severe allergies. And in fact, everyone I've ever lived with absolutely hated me every morning because when I would blow my nose, it would sound like a freight train coming through the house. And it didn't matter if you were asleep or where you were at in that house, I woke you up and startled you and you got very angry. In fact, my entire family was aggravated. All my roommates got aggravated. And then my wife got aggravated, so things had to change, right? When it comes to the wife, things have to change. But I was used to it. I mean, I was used to my nose being stuffy. I was used to my nose running. In fact, I was used to being congested with a runny nose. Anybody ever had that? You're like, yeah, it's weird. How are you congested with a running nose? But that's what I had. And you see, I never went to the doctors growing up. If any of you have ever had a mom who worked in the medical field, They think they either know absolutely everything or they compare it to what they've seen at work and they go, oh, well, you're not dying, so. And I was, does everything have to be that traumatic before you see somebody or get some help? And so I tried everything. I tried allergy pills. I tried teapot-looking things with salt water. Anybody ever seen those things? Yeah, you know what to do with those, yeah. Nasal sprays. I mean, I tried everything, but nothing worked. Around 29 years old, I was getting out of the military with that great insurance. I said, you know what? I better see somebody about this. Let me see if somebody can help me. So I went to an actual allergist. And it's one of these things where I just said, look, here's what's going. They said, well, come in and take a test. And so I did. I went in, and they stuck me with about 100 needles. I said, this is 2021. They should have a better way of figuring this out. They stuck me with about 100 needles to see what swelled up. Went through all that process. Doctor came in. He said, well, you see the problem. He said, you're allergic to two things. I said, okay. He said, the first one's mold. That's not so bad a start. He said, but the second one is you were severely allergic to dust mites. I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, well, it's very treatable. I said, well, it doesn't seem very treatable. Here's what I've been doing. He said, no, no, this is very treatable. He said, what you need to do is get a dehumidifier, take an allergy pill, and get a bed cover. And I said, no, no, I've taken allergy pills before. Those things don't actually work He said, it's because you haven't been taking them right. He said, you don't take allergy pills like you do Tylenol. 
said, for instance, when you have an ache in your leg, you might take an ibuprofen or Tylenol to get rid of it, right? I said, yeah. He said, no, that's not how allergy pills work. He said, you take allergy pills to prevent. It's preventive. You take it before the symptoms start, not while the symptoms are occurring. And so I looked up this quote just to show you. Look at this. It says this. This is, I got off a WebMD, which means you know it's true, okay? It says this. It says, we always tell people to start taking medicine before the allergy season begins, says Jonathan A. Bernstein, MD, an allergist and professor of clinical medicine at the University of Cincinnati. I feel like I needed you to really know this is true, okay? He said, people often come to me in the middle of allergy season, and they're already a mess. That's some of you today, let's be honest. Once the symptoms start, they can be like a runaway train. He said, you take them before and do your own research. And of course, I feel like I need this disclaimer. Please talk to your medical provider before you start taking any new medical prescriptions, right? You're supposed to say the things like that. All right. But when I started taking it before and I let it build up my system, do you know what? I've never had a problem since. It actually worked. And now when I blow my nose, it's cute and polite. At least that's what Jessica tells me. She said it's so polite, right? No? She says no. Okay, I think it is. But my quality of life changed rather quickly trying to get ahead of something, right? I mean, that's just great life advice, isn't it? Try to get ahead of a problem before it causes a mess in our life. And wouldn't it be great if we could do that with more things than just allergies, although that may have just helped you out next season, you're gonna be so thankful, okay? Wouldn't it be great if we could get ahead of things like guilt, anger, stress, all those things that just wreck havoc in our lives? Wouldn't it be nice to take a daily dose of something to avoid all those negative symptoms? Because I'm still allergic to dust mites, completely, still allergic, but all those negative symptoms... I don't experience any longer. I got ahead of it. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to experience the difficulties of this life because they're not going anywhere? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to experience those difficulties but not all the negative side effects that come along with it where we're then walking around feeling horrible and miserable because we didn't do some preventive care? And you can in fact, it's not even for any payments. You don't need five payments of $29.95 or anything. It's absolutely free. It's already been paid for. That's the amazing thing. You see peace? Peace is like an allergy pill. Peace is something you want to search and find now. You want to get ahead of peace. You want to have it now. Before all the craziness happens in your life, you want to seek and have peace. You want it to build up in your life. So then when all the craziness in life does happen, you can walk around seeming unaffected. Like anybody who's been taking allergy pills before pollen season struck. We're walking around feeling unaffected. We're looking at everybody else going, well, if you just knew about this little pill, this little thing you can take. But if you try to look for peace in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the difficulties, well, won't be able to get control of, just like your allergy. You just can't wrap it back in. It takes time. You see, peace is preventive care. Rather than in the middle of the issue, you see, to us, peace is the absence of conflict. We think, well, if there's no conflict going on or when there's conflict, I need peace. That's when I need peace. No, no, no. Peace is very different than that. Biblical peace is much greater than just the absence of conflict. 
because Jesus gives it to us. Look at what he says here. Jesus says in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. I leave with you my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so Jesus says he leaves us his peace. Jesus says he gives us this peace. And before we talk about what that peace is, how do you know if you need his peace? Well, look, it's right here. Are you troubled? Are you afraid? You don't have peace. Are you troubled? Are you afraid? You see, those feelings of worry, anxiety, all of those things are completely normal. Just like pollen, just like the effects of pollen, those things are normal in life. I mean, stress for me, everybody wants more of my time. In fact, my kids, all three of them just started baseball, and I'm telling you, their coaches think they're all in the major leagues. They're like, you need to be here eight days a week for 14 hours. I said, I just don't have, don't have that kind of time. But everybody, my job, my family, my kids, everything and everyone wants more of my time. Stress is normal. Anxiety and fear, I mean, that's normal. As I said a couple weeks ago, we live on a giant spinning rock in the middle of space. At its core is a flaming ball of fire, and we are orbiting around a giant exploding ball of gas that shoots things. Have you ever looked up solar flares? Look them up. You have absolutely every reason to be worried and to be scared. That's normal. Do we need anything else? Well, you go, well, no, that's enough. Then we have COVID. We're not only getting attacked by solar, those solar flares, they bother me. I don't know why I need to forget about them. But those solar flares, the sun is shooting things, and then we have this little microscopic thing we can't see that's wrecked havoc on the world. Thank goodness at least people are washing their hands now, right? If you didn't before, I bet you're washing your hands now. We're getting attacked from every angle, so fear, anxiety, worry, listen, those are normal. But peace? That's not normal. A calm in the midst of all that stuff going on? When the world throws its absolutely worst at you, when society throws its worst, when your family situations or those people or those jobs, when everything just starts piled up, being at peace in it? That's not normal. But that's what Jesus wants to give. You see, trouble, fear, anxiety, those aren't from God. And while the troubles of this world aren't going anywhere, we can have peace in the midst of it. You see, in the closing of, of a letter we've been going through as a church, it's okay, we're just going to the end now. The book of Hebrews, the author leaves us with these words. He wants to give us some powerful words to live, live by. Here's what he says. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. He says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're gonna walk through this verse because it's pretty powerful. First, I want you to notice he said God is the God of what? Yeah, God is the source of peace. You cannot find it anywhere else. If you want peace, if you want calm in your life, it can only come from God because God is the source of peace. You see, there are two important narratives that the Bible teaches us. First, the Bible tells us that the world's a mess. The world's broken. Don't believe me? 
Turn on the news. The world is broken. Sin has created death and destruction, and the world needs to be fixed. You see, as human beings, we were created to bear the image of God. We were to be his representatives on this earth, but we brought sin into it. So now sin has destruction and death and suffering and pain, and it causes chaos and confusion. Where peace brings order and clarity. You see, in order to experience peace in any way, we must first be at peace with God. That can only come through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he paid the penalty for our sins. The sin that causes death and destruction and chaos, the only way to be right with him is and experience that peace is to accept that sacrifice. Because Christ shed his blood so you and I can be forgiven of all of our sins. We can live great lives in Christ if we repent. That means turn from our sin and follow him. You see, that means we have to change the narrative that we can do whatever we want whenever we want. How many of us have tried that? Oh, just me this morning? All right, some of us, we're doing that small. There's people here, small hand raised. Yeah, we've all had that narrative. I do what I want, when I want, and let's see how it works out. Guess how it works out? We already know. Not so well. Not so well at all. So first, we got to understand the narrative that, hey, the world is broken. I can't do whatever I want whenever I want because I didn't create the world. I didn't make it. And just trying to figure things out on my own doesn't work so well. So we need to turn from that and accept that it's broken and it needs fixing and he has come to redeem us. So say, you know what? It's not about me anymore. I want to follow you. It's not about my way. I want to follow your way. We have to change from the fact that we think we have it figured out and just admit that we need saving. We need help. We need rescuing. And Jesus has come to do that. He came to save and invite us into joining in his plan to redeem the world. The second narrative is not just that the world's broken and that God needs to save us, but that we can experience peace. You can experience inner peace. You can experience that peace in your mind, that peace in your soul, that peace in your heart. You can actually experience it. It's available. It's there. It's, it's not out of the question. I mean, it's actually possible. Some of us, like if you lived with allergies all those years, see, there's no way I can experience anything other than allergies. All I know is allergies. I can't have anything but allergies. But I'm telling you, through Jesus Christ, you can have something different. You can have peace. You can have a calm. It's actually possible can experience rest and prosperity in Jesus Christ. Because look at what he says, John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the things anti-Jesus. I have come that they may have life and have it to the what? Full or abundant. He has come to give us an abundant, full life. He wants to give you the best possible life you can have. He doesn't want you to experience destructive life, but a peaceful life. What do you have to lose? Because he's actually powerful enough to do it. Let's go back to our main verse. Hebrews 13 says this. It says, he brought him back from the dead, our Lord Jesus. Speaking to the God of peace, brought back our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from the dead. This means that God is powerful enough to do what he says he's going to do. Because if he can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, if Jesus actually died and was buried, but then he can bring him back to life, that means he has power not only over death, but over life. He is that powerful, which means it is actually possible. 
If anyone can predict their own death and resurrection and actually pull it off, we just believe everything else they say. And that's what Jesus Christ did. You see, our faith was founded in an event. While the cross is great, the cross is the death, the sacrifice, the blood that was shed. While we absolutely need that, while we absolutely need Christmas, the fact that Jesus came to earth, the God wrapped himself in human flesh, while all that is amazing, our faith was launched after the resurrection. After his followers saw him die, saw that he was buried, and then saw him rise again, the followers said, whoa, whoa. We got to tell everybody about this. He defeated death. Yeah, I know he fed the 5,000. I know he walked on water. But whoa, you're never going to believe this. He died, was buried, and came back to life. They went around telling absolutely everybody that he defeated death, that he beat death. That look, Jesus Christ can't beat death. He can beat whatever you have going on in your life. He's greater and bigger than all of that. So how do you know that's true? They said, because we saw him die. We watched him get buried, and then he came back. It started all. He is that powerful. That is why we're celebrating today, because death was arrested. It was defeated. But then how do we know we can trust him? We'll keep going in our verse. It talks about, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant. Now a covenant's like a contract but different. It's formed on relationships and what the author is pointing to here is that God is the promise keeping God. Our God keeps his promises. He created an eternal covenant and I don't know how it all works but what we see the New Testament shows us and then we see back through the Old Testament is that throughout scripture, throughout thousands of years, it was pointing to Jesus Christ. The Old Testament serves as like a signpost. Everything's saying, hey, get ready, it's coming. Hey, get ready, it's coming. This great king's coming. This great person's coming. The Messiah's coming. In fact, it's not just Christians who believe this. Jewish, the Jewish faith is still awaiting a Messiah. They believe their scripture was pointing to the fact that one day God would set the world right and would come through a new kingly leader. Whereas Christians, we believe that person was Jesus Christ. We believe he's the suffering servant that Isaiah tells us about. We believe he was that, that fourth person in that fiery furnace. We believe that that promise that God made to Abraham was through Jesus. Look what God told Abraham. Genesis 12, two to three. It says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. That was thousands of years before Jesus. And we see that it just keeps pointing to him throughout the Old Testament, pointing. And so what we see is we have a history. We have an entire group of people saying, no, God keeps his promises. He always comes through on his promises. He's come through over and over and over again, which means our God is the promise-keeping God, and he promises us peace. He promises us eternal life. Look what else he says about Jesus, going back to Hebrews. Now may the God of peace through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back Jesus, uh, our, excuse me, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Do you know Jesus Christ is the shepherd of your soul? Did you know that? He is our great shepherd. After Jesus says that he's come to give us an abundant life, a, a, a full life, he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep, meaning Jesus knew what he was doing well before he did it. 
versus this is Jesus, the good shepherd. This is anti-Jesus. This is the other things of the world that promise you all that stuff that never works. You know it doesn't work. You've tried it. He says it does this. He says the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. In other words, all that other stuff you're giving your life to, it's going to scatter, it's going to run, it's not going to provide and protect. How many times have you thought money was going to solve your problems? And yet it just creates more, doesn't it? How many times you thought, hold on, but this relationship, this relationship is going to fix it all. I'm just, it won't. But Jesus says, I will, because I'll lay my life down for you. I'm not going anywhere. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the hard things in life, you don't know what you have coming, but Jesus does his. In the midst of all that, I'm not going anywhere. You see, it's through Jesus we actually understand God. He is our good shepherd, not an overlording God, not a God sitting up there idle on his throne, not concerned about the affairs of, of everyday humans. No, no, no. We have the good shepherd. And if that's not your view of God, it's that, if that's not your view of Jesus, you have the wrong ideas. He is our good shepherd who wants to be there and lead you and help you. In fact, David tells us quite clearly, and this all points to Psalm 23. Look, it says, pointing to Jesus, says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. Who needs some quiet waters in their life right now? He said, I'll take you there. Come on. Quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, all of us are gonna go through it. Every human will go through the dark times. Even though I walk through it, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Keep going, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even in the midst of the enemies, the people who want to hurt you, the people who are talking bad, God can create a, uh, create a dinner right there in front of it, a banquet, and say, come on, we're going to eat in front of them. They're not going to touch you. They're not going to harm you. I'm right here. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is Jesus. And that's what he wants for you. And I know we were grown up and we've heard and we've experienced life and everything says that's not true. Listen, that's Jesus. That's what he offers. All that other stuff you've been through, all that other stuff you've gone through, that isn't of Jesus. But Jesus says, come on. I'll take you to the place. You want quiet? I got you. You want rest? I have you covered. He says, just come follow me. This is the life God wants for you. When we're walking hand in hand with our shepherd, he will be right there with us, protecting us and guiding us, leading to a place of refreshment, leading us to a place of nourishment. Let's go back to our verse. He says this. He says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And this is the point where your mind should be blown because God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, wants to equip you, which means he wants to use you. God wants to use you. Can you believe that the God who spoke everything into existence wants to use you? 
You see that word equip right here? It means complete. God wants to complete you. He wants to equip you. Nothing will truly satisfy you in this life outside of him. Absolutely nothing. He wants to bring you to your fullest potential in this life. He wants to surround you with all the good you need to bring that out of you. You see, our journey as Christians should be one of growth. You may think, well, I don't have anything to offer. You absolutely do. God created you, God designed you, God called you, and he wants to equip you. God has gifted you. You absolutely have things to offer. You see, you don't have to wait till life after death to experience that as if salvation only matters when I die, then my faith kicks in. No, no, God wants to do something through you now. He wants to equip you. He wants to use you now for his glory. Salvation, part of it is saying, hey, come on, be a part of what I'm doing in this world. Live for something bigger. Live for something greater. Your life is too small. Your name will never be great enough. Live for something bigger. Join me in what I'm doing. God wants to equip you. Because the primary purpose of our lives, it's right down here, is the glory of God. He says he gets the glory forever and ever, which means your primary purpose, my primary purpose, is to bring God glory in all that we do to reflect his goodness, to worship him, to praise him. We were designed to be in fellowship with him, and he wants to do that with you. He wants to teach you how. You see, peace doesn't come from a little allergy pill, a little peace pill. Peace comes from God equipping you and training you to do his will in this world. And you have to allow him to equip you and train you for your personal ministry. Each and every one of us has a personal ministry for the Lord. So how do I find out about that? I mean, how do I join up with that? I mean, okay, God has something for me to do. Where do I even learn? I am so glad you asked. I'm glad we're on the same page this morning, okay? Look at this next verse. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor. Hey, that's, that's me. Pastors and teachers to e- equip his people. One of the ways God equips you is through the local church. That's why being a part of a church is so important outside of Easter. Thought I'd throw that in there. The church is our training grounds. The church is the time we gather together to be equipped to do the work of the Lord. The church is like a gym. You come here to grow. You come here to train. To then be able to go out into the world and participate with what God is doing in there. The church is where you come to grow. Train. You don't go to the gym to be comfortable. You go to your bed for that. Isn't it true? Don't you want your bed to be comfortable? You get to pick the color of the bed sheets. You get to pick your color of mattress. I mean, you get, that is all about you and your comfort. The church is the place to grow. Place to train, to be equipped. We come to prepare and worship our God to then go out and deal with all that life has to throw at us. Some of the stuff that's missing of our lives is being around God's people, being with God's people, being trained up to do God's work because he wants to do something in us. Let's go back to our verse. He wants to do a work in you. He wants to do a work in you. You know God wants to build your character. He wants to grow you. God wants to work in you to change your heart, to change your character, to internally help you find peace. All that stuff going on in here, he wants to give you peace in your heart, and in your mind. But you have to let him. You have to invite him in. 
His offer stands to come and save you and give you peace, but you got to let him. You got to work with him. You see, the pathway to the peace starts by accepting his invitation to be saved from our sin and accepting his invitation to surrender our life and submit our life to him as our Lord and King, which means he's in charge, we're not. That is the hardest thing for human beings to own. He's in charge and we're not. He created it, I didn't. I know this feels weird. I know he tells me to do this. I want to do something different, but let me go ahead and try it his way and see what happens. It'll work every single time. But that's just the start of the journey. That's the start of our pathway to peace. The pathway to peace continues as we accept his calling to be equipped and trained for ministry. Meaning we join on the path with our fellow fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we work together and we grow and we quit. Listen, your salvation is not just about dying and crossing the threshold of heaven. Your salvation is being saved now, being offered eternal life now. So you can be equipped and trained to do God's work now. Right now, he wants to work in you and through you. And there will be bumps and bruises in all of our lives because our hearts and our minds are filled with stuff he wants to purge. Stuff that he just needs to get rid of. He says, come join me. I'll help you through all of it. You see, this is the path of peace, following the good shepherd, coming together with his people and being trained for his service because God wants to use you. And my point is, if you just come to church every once in a while, just come to church on Sunday to check the box, you are missing out on what God wants to do in you and through you. The path to peace is joining him, joining his people, living your mission for him, living your life for him, saying, hey, I want to bring you glory in all that I do. I have no idea what it means, but I want to do it. And I'm going to try it. I'm going to stop living for myself because my relationships, my jobs, my finances. Yeah, I have all that, but it's a mess. So let me give it to you. Let me find peace through you. Let me find peace with your people. If you want to experience peace, start walking the pathway. Surrender your life to them. Get involved in a local church with this people. We're weird and we're a mess, so you'll fit right in. Right? We're all a little weird. It's true. But join with his people and take his work serious. And when you do that, you will be prepared to throw what, excuse me, you prepared for whatever life thro- throws at you. Don't believe me? Read about Joseph. Read about Jesus. Read about Peter. Read about Paul. Read about every other person who traded in their desires and wants for God's. And God still took them to a greatest potential where thousands of years later, we're still talking about them. You think you'll be able to do that on your own? Thousands of years later, we're still talking about these people. You can go so much further in this life with God than apart from them. Because on your own, your great-grandchildren probably won't even know your name. Let's be honest. But with God, you'd be amazed at what he can do through you. So join them. If you're missing the peace, you can start the journey today. There's no need to try to do it on your own. Let Jesus guide you. Listen, the world's messed up, but he died for it. The world's messed up, but he wants you. And he's invited you to join him on this worldwide redemption. And I'm gonna give you that opportunity to join him on that mission today. All you have to do is accept that salvation and surrender your life to him and his purpose. And maybe you need to do it for the first time or maybe you need to do it for the 10th time. But whatever it is, you can surrender your life to him. Say, God, I'm done doing this on my own. 
I want to join you in what you're doing in this world. I don't, I don't want to be out here. I want to be with you. I want that good shepherd. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. I need that peace. And he will give it to you. It takes time. But he'll lead you there. Will you pray with me? God of peace, we thank you so much for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for saving us from our sin and saving us for your purpose. We celebrate the life you give us, and Father, we believe that you are calling people today to join you in your kingdom. And today, if you're here and you want to accept that calling from God, if you want to join him on his worldwide mission, say a prayer like this. Heavenly Father, I accept your calling to be a part of what you're doing in the world. God, the world is messed up and broken. I know my life is messed up and broken. I need you to save me. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose from the grave to give me a new life. I turn from my sins. Please forgive me for all of them. And I commit to following you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who've turned their lives and their hearts to you today. We thank you so much for the great salvation in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.